Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with Opal, Crossland, Corsa and Mocha. Three good reasons to visit the Opal Open Road event. So with GPs once again at the front line of the vaccination campaign as they assist in the booster rollout, I'm joined now by Dr Mary Favier, uh, COVID advisor to the Irish College of General Practitioners and a member of NEFA to discuss the current situation. Good morning, Dr Favier. What, what is happening in your surgery this week? In our surgery in Cork, and I think this is reflected across the country, it's been exceptionally busy. It's a busy time of year. We have been trying to catch up with all the non-COVID work. But in the last week, we've also been putting a very high priority on running booster vaccination programmes. So in our practice, we had stopped boosting vaccines for about three, four weeks, but have had started again. And so, for instance, tomorrow we have a really, really big clinic. It's all hands on deck. We'll have one doctor covering emergencies and everybody else will be pushing to the vaccine clinic. The 15 minute observation period has been scrapped now. Have you any concerns about releasing people out into the wild as it were without looking after them for that period of time or has it just allowed you to put so many more vaccines into people that it's a worthwhile efficiency? The, the changing to the rules around the 15-minute mandatory wait has made an exceptionally good difference in the sense that we can now move people through much more quickly. And there are some provisos to it in the sense that if you haven't had previous vaccines before, if you haven't had an mRNA vaccine before like Pfizer or Moderna, we do ask you to wait the 15 minutes. If you have a previous history of allergy, we'll ask you to wait. But for the absolute vast majority of patients who are getting booster vaccines, it suits them, it suits us. We can really move through. And do we have concerns about it? Fundamentally, no, because GPs have given thousands of vaccines. We've gone from, on average, 75,000 vaccines a week to 150,000 vaccines this week To and realised we just haven't had problems that we needed a 15-minute wait. So it's a very welcome change. If you were able to operate at your most ruthlessly efficient all day long today, how many shots do you think you'd get in arms? It, it depends on the numbers of va- vaccinating, but we would generally expect that a vaccinator could give between 10 and 15 vaccines per hour. Uh, we are very well organised. Our nurses really lead the campaign. This is the same across most general practices. They they organise it in advance. They set out the rooms. They set out all the materials. The lists are generated through an online booking system that patients are sent a text for. And it's really efficient. And it's a shout out of thanks, really, to the nurse, nurses and the admin staff in all the practices across the country. So, for instance, tomorrow we have staff coming in on their schedule scheduled day off. The only day off they'll have before Christmas, they're going to give vaccines all day. And next week, when you might expect the staff would have hope, some hope of some relief, will will give up their days off and come in and vaccinate as well. So we would ask people to be patient and people are, are generally very patient. But for those who aren't, some of the staff said yesterday, would they not realise we don't want to be here either? But it's it's a big effort and we're pushing on. And in general, with enthusiasm, we're going to wear our Santa jumpers tomorrow. And it's generally a very positive experience. Now, you have been told that you can give boosters to the over 16s, but that you should continue to prioritise the older groups. In practical terms, how on earth do you actually do that if you have a 21-year-old standing in front of you waiting for a jab? Do you make them wait just in case a 49-year-old might walk in? We organise it to... to 
such that we do the older age groups in terms of bookings. And some of the younger age groups, if they've got a priority illness, what we're called category fours and sevens before this. So it's the over 40s. We've come down through the ages. And because we hold these records as GPs, we know who these people are. We've sent them all the invites. They're all slotted in. We're largely doing people in their 50s tomorrow. It'll be there in people in their 40s more next week. But indeed, at the end of a session, if we have vaccines left over, one of our highest priorities is not to waste vaccine. So we'll call, drab, pull anybody in off the road who's got a spare arm and will, we, and wants a booster, irrespective once they're, they're, they're within the age groups and over 16. So it's rare we'll be giving somebody who, who doesn't fit one of the criteria, but if needs must and it means we don't waste, yes, we will. So it's, it's, a, it's about flexibility and it really helps GPs who might be vaccinating off a smaller numbers compared to mass vaccine clinics never waste a vaccine. And given this all-hands-on-deck approach that you're taking, how long do you think that it would take you to get everybody on your practice's books jabbed? We would expect we could do it really by the middle of January, maybe the, towards the end of January. Again, depending that all the staff stay well, we don't have staff off because of illness, which is a really big threat to general practice, but also to all the health services over the next number of weeks. And that's what the population and the public can do to help to really limit their contacts, really be very careful about the number of people they see. Omicron is an exceptionally transmissible virus. And the the threat to the health service isn't just about hospital beds and ICU capacity. It's about actually having enough staff to, to work in it. And we, if staff become COVID positive, they'll have to come out with restrictions. So it's all about staying open and keeping working. But we would expect by the middle of January to the end of the January, January we could cover the numbers. Tell me what you're seeing outside of the vaccination programme in terms of people reporting symptoms. Is there uh, an unfortunate but perhaps understandable reluctance in people to come forward now with that tickle in the back of the throat or a sneeze and have you guys take a look at it? We Patients generally have two reactions to that. The, the slightest tickle or the slightest sore throat or runny nose, they want to be tested because they're very anxious about the upcoming holidays and festivities and who they might infect. And then we have a separate group who really do not want to, are not interested. They ring for other reasons or they ring for antibiotics and we're saying, no, you need a test and they have to be persuaded. So there's two sets of groups. We've had people even who've done antigen tests and been positive and still don't want to have a PCR test. So it's all about education and cajoling people to say, look, it's, it's for your own health, it's for your family's well-being, get a test. So the first thing anybody should do if they've got symptoms is self-isolate and then um, ring for a PCR test. Antigen tests are very useful for people as well. If they're going out, they feel well and they want to just be doubly careful before they go to any event where they're meeting people, by all means, do an antigen test. But if it's any trace of a line on the test that's considered positive, you should self-isolate and get a PCR test. What do you say and how do you feel about talking to the younger cohort who are now being told that they must make an exceptional sacrifice, they must rein in their socialising, but no, they're not eligible for a booster? I think it's a really hard conversation. I I almost can't look them in the eye. They're groaning. I'm groaning. It's it's really really difficult. They've they've done so much. They've they've offered so much 
of sacrifice for so little effective benefit for themselves in terms of the effect of illness on them, but they're doing it. And I think they're extraordinary. I'm having these conversations in my own house. house. I see how they're trying to do the right thing so that Christmas isn't affected with the, their older relatives in our family. And they're doing a, a great job. It's not perfect, but they're all doing their best. And I think a credit needs to be given to our young people and how hard they've tried. And that that we we say we appreciate how, how difficult it is. Much harder for them to restrict their social life than from for me, mine. And and I think that that's uh, needs to be rewarded. And I think we need to acknowledge it. And and they're they're making a difference. You are, as you have said, not operating in normal practice now at all. And I wonder when you look at that situation alongside the fact that Israel has just started now with fourth doses of the COVID vaccine and the very real possibility that you might find yourselves doing exactly the same thing down the line. In fact, you may even become part of a kind of a a rolling booster service. You must have misgivings about what is going to happen to your normal general practices? I mean, I'd agree. I think anybody working in a vaccine clinic or in general practice vaccining at the moment, when they heard this uh, news about the fourth doses in Israel, their heart sank saying, will we be vaccinating forever? But the reality is we need to at the moment. If we have to go to fourth doses, we will. We'll all just, you know, pull up our socks and keep going and drive on. And we will have to potentially look at different structures. General practice can't continue to vaccinate for, for you know, indefinitely. We do it because we are the most efficient. We do it because we know the patients. We know how to call them, arrange them, cajole them, be the mo- get the most bang for your buck in terms of numbers. That's inevitable because we know these people really well. However, it's always a challenge making sure we don't miss non-COVID illness and that in due course GPs return to what they're good at and this includes practice nurses which is is providing community care, primary care, first presentation illness care but that's all for the future. This week, this month it has to be vaccinations and that's appropriate. Mary, thank you very much for talking to us this morning and happy Christmas to you and everybody in the practice and good health in the new year. Thank you.